What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, because they help you learn that 336 hours are actually more than three hours. It's been about two weeks since I've put out an episode. I believe my last episode was published on November 2nd, and it is currently November 19th, so it hasn't even been about two weeks. It's been over two weeks, but like I say in the intro, this is the most sporadic podcast out there, so here we go. (laughs) Today, I want, uh, I got a couple calls. I got a call from Jason, um, where that'll lead me into a recap of our last Wrath of the Righteous session and talking about what it is to be a good player. Which is also will be inspired by one of Daniel Norton's of the Bandits Keep Media Empire. One of his recent YouTube um, episodes is about tips for being a good player. So we'll talk about being a good player based on Jason's call. I also have a call from good old Spike Pit talking about the episode that Jason and I put out together about pre-programmed moves and how... um, the adventure path wrath of the righteous in this one fight towards the end at the end of the third book where you're fighting this big bad guy it lays out everything that character should do in the first four rounds of combat uh that was a really fun episode to put together and spike pit has some thoughts i don't think i got any other calls about that but we'll see we'll see if any more come in about that And uh, yeah, but before we get into the calls and the recap, I want to talk about uh, what I've been reading lately because it's interesting. Uh, It's it's something I've read before, but I'm hearing it again in a whole new light. Um, And I guess I'll also talk about the book club. So (laughs) let's get into the show. Yeah, so if I haven't mentioned it on here before, which I think I have, I am currently in a reading group um, hosted by Ray Otis. It's on the Audio Dungeon Discord, and where we're reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy two chapters a week. We're currently on an off week because of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. coming up real soon, so... We've read, so far, we've read the prologue in the first two chapters, and then on Discord, uh, we, we talk about it one chapter at a time. We're not allowed to talk about anything that hasn't happened yet, though some people talk about foreshadowing stuff, which that skirts the line, I think, but, you know, that's fine, um... Because when you point out something's foreshadowing, even if you're not saying why it's important, you're saying, hey, this piece here has more importance than you might otherwise pay to it. Um, Yeah, so pay attention to this part, even if you might not. But anyway, that's been an interesting experiment for me, because usually when I read, I, I read and read and read and read and read until I'm done. But with this, just reading it very slowly and not being able to talk about, like kind of acting like we, I've never read the book before. It's been an interesting, interesting, um, like I said, experiment. And yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. I, you know, I, I 
100% understand why I bounced off the trilogy so many times as a kid. Because the first two chapters, while they're beautifully written, the world building is amazing, the characters are awesome, not much happened. In the first chapter, nothing really happens at all. The second chapter hints at things that are going to happen and things that happened in the past when Gandalf is talking to Frodo about, you know, the history of the ring and everything. And that got me really pumped up to read the Silmarillion, <laughs> which that's what happened as a kid as well. Um, Cause <laughs> that, that stuff is just more exciting. Yeah. The first two chapters of uh, fellowship of the ring Again, while they are beautifully written and expertly crafted chapters, aren't all that exciting. <laughs> they they get me more excited about things, other stories, than the story I'm actually reading. Because, you know, I, I feel it now more... I feel it more now than I did when I was a kid, that... Especially in the beginning, because we can't talk about what happens later in the books yet, right? But in these first two chapters, Frodo kind of sucks. <laughs> he kind of sucks. Uh, and he's, you know, in the very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, he's in his tween years. You know, he's in his 30s or whatever, which for a hobbit is still in his tween years. But by the time Frodo leaves, so by, you know, partway through the first chapter and the second chapter, he's no longer that. He's a fully matured adult, uh, at least by the reckoning of Hobbits, and he still kind of sucks. He's a classist, he's a bully to Sam, and now some people will call in, and no, he's not, he's having fun with Sam, but like we pointed out on the Audio Dungeon Discord, he's not having fun with Sam, because him and Sam, at the beginning are not friends. They are not friends. Frodo is Sam's master. Now, you could say he's an employee. Sam doesn't look at it that way. He calls him master. And it's a very class-based system. And the way Frodo treats Sam in that relationship is very shitty. Um, it's, it's making fun and talking down to somebody who is you have power over that much power over and who thinks of you that highly is just a shitty thing to do period like it, it just is man S frodo bosses sam around it, it's it's yeah frodo is not He's not shown in a good light in the first two chapters. That's all I'll say. That's it. But since we're on an off week, I was like, huh, I want to read something else. And I was kind of just, I wasn't even thinking about it that much, really. I was just going through YouTube and I came across uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight read by some random dude named Paul. And I was like, interesting. It's the whole book. I don't know how you get away with something like that because he's not licensed or anything. He's just a dude that decided to read Dragons of Autumn Twilight on the internet. And it's amazing. It's, he does such a fantastic job. He is 
light years better than the guy they actually got to read the books for Audible. I think his name is like Axe something. That dude is terrible. This guy I came across is amazing, man. I've been flying through Dragons of Autumn Twilight because I tried reading it again a couple years ago, maybe even a year or two ago, and I couldn't make it through the end because the guy's voice and character characterization of the characters i think personally is awful it's terrible and so i couldn't make it through the entire first book but with this guy it's amazing it's like a whole different book it really really is i'm paying more attention i'm listening closer uh i i'm having an easier time imagining these scenes in my mind and these characters even the stuff with the gully doors i don't know if you're familiar with the first book in the dragon lance trilogy dragons of autumn twilight um, most of you probably are written by margaret weiss and tracy hickman they're you know quintessential fantasy books that came out in the late 80s i want to say mid to late 80s through the 90s um and they're 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 awesome for what they are, right? They're very derivative of Tolkien, which is funny. Having re- recently listened to all of The Hobbit and very carefully gone through the prologue and the first two chapters of Lord of the Rings, there's a lot, and knowing Lord of the Rings in general, there's a lot of stuff in Dragons of Autumn Twilight that they just took, right, from Tolkien. And it's it's cute, it's nice, and obviously... Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are great. They're not on the same level of craftsmanship of writing as Tolkien are. But they're really fun action adventure fantasy stories. And that's the thing, right? Like, (laughs) as a kid, I would bounce off Lord of the Rings and pick up something like Dragonlance or Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time or anything that had some goddamn action in it. Uh, because yeah, the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings in particular, where we are now, the first two chapters, which aren't short chapters anyway, the first chapter of Fellowship is just boring, man. Anyway, but so back to the problem with the gully dwarves, cause there is a problem with the gully dwarves and you know, people talk about it on the internet and I've, I've mentioned it before. They are portrayed really, really terribly and treated really, really terribly, especially by one of the main companions, Flint. Flint Fireforge, I think he's is his last name. He's a dwarf. And basically, Flint wants to murder every single gully dwarf on the face of Prynne. And you read that, especially if you're not paying close attention, you're like, damn, Flint sucks, man. Like, Flint is kind of a racist and a piece of shit. But when you when now that I've been reading it more closely, I I, I get Flint a little more because a, a piece that I've missed for so long is that at one point Flint was held prisoner for three years by the Gully Dwarves, so you you can sort of understand his animosity a little bit uh, towards Gully Dwarves in general. Now, granted, the way they're written is not favorable just in general. But I, I, they're not as atrociously awful as I initially thought. So that's good. And that's just one of the benefits of, 
you know, because I can't read the text on the page anymore, there's a lot to be said for narrators because they can make or break a book and they can change the way you perceive things in a story by their inflection, by their accent, by their characterization, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, man, like it's better than me not being able to read any stories anymore ever. Right. Uh, so, I don't mind it, but it is a thing. When a narrator is bad, that can absolutely turn me off to a story or I can power through it but not really pay that much attention to it, not the nuanced bits in the text. So, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, I don't know how this dude does it. He has all three of the Dragonlance books on his YouTube channel. Maybe if I'm good, I'll include the link to it here, but... He's got a bunch of other stories, too, like some Dickens novels and some Sherlock Holmes novels. But I'm guessing some of those might be in public domain. But there's no way Dragonlance is in public domain. So, yeah, again, I have no idea how this dude does it. I don't know if he makes any money off of it. I can't imagine that'd be technically legal to make money off of that. But who knows, man? (laughs) I have no idea. They haven't gotten pulled off yet. So maybe there is something going on there that i'm not privy to but yeah this dude is awesome man anyway (laughs) that's enough for the books uh in in conclusion the first two chapters of lord of the rings while awesome are kind of boring and the first book of uh the dragonlance saga trilogy while not quite as awesome are pretty goddamn exciting (laughs) So yeah, let's get into some calls. Update. Before we get into the calls, I just did some checking around. And unfortunately for me, that dude that I was just talking about, the guy on YouTube who read Dragons of Autumn Twilight just has Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I thought when I was going through his catalog earlier that I saw Dragons of Winter Night. I was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a bummer because, again, as I said, the guy who they got to do the actual Dragonlance recordings, the official license recordings, I think does a terrible job and makes them just really unenjoyable to listen to everything about it just i think sucks maybe other people out there like it i'm sure the guy tried really hard but i wish audible would find somebody better to do those books and the guy they got to do uh the follow-up series war of the twins dealing with raceland and caraman i've talked about this guy before his name is axe something he is even worse than the guy who officially does the Dragonlance books, which coincidentally enough, the guy, the YouTube guy, his first name is Paul. And the guy who does the Dragonlance books, his first name is Paul. So for a brief second, when I went back on Audible, I was like, oh, my God, it's the same guy. I, oh, no, it's not. It's this guy. That's right. This guy blows. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into the calls. This first call is from Spike Pit. And again, this is in reference to the episode that Jason and I put out called Pre-Programmed Moves where we're talking about 
how Paizo put in the Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Path, all the moves that this one bad guy takes on his turn. So that's what we're talking about. All right, Spike Pit, take it away, dude. So my thoughts, Joe, on how Paizo have laid out that end guy, that big bad end villain, seems awesome to me. That's just what I'm looking for. If I was going to run a complex caster like that, I, I tend to really struggle um, with powerful spellcasters. They've got so much they could be doing, I always find I forget a load of it. And do you know what? I'm not even so sure if I was running that adventure that you described, even with all them moves written down, I know full well I'd still flub it. Um, just... I don't know, just because those, those things in the heat of the moment can get a bit overwhelming, I could do all the help I can get, and I know I, I still wreck it. I I generally just rustle up stuff off the... Well, I just pull it out of my butt, mate. I pull it out of my butt and just make it as fun as I can. But a few more adventures like that, written and laid out like that would probably coach me up with some good skills and if i if i was running a lot of that stuff i'd probably get there in the end so i think it's really cool and i have seen sort of similar stuff and J jason mentioned the icrpg hank's ideas i've seen these kind of monster attacks where you just roll a dice and, and they do kind of like a special move rather than just a, a regular attack. Uh, you get that in Dragon Bane. It was something a bit like that in Black Hack, I seem to recall. Um, also, 13th Age, there was um, special actions and stuff, kind of random special actions. But I love all that stuff. Oh, yeah, and Forbidden Lands has got something very similar as well. Um but yeah, anything that's going to bring some flavour and character and, and make an encounter memorable and, and not rely on me having to dream something up on the spur of the moment, uh, I think that's to be encouraged. So yeah, I mean, sounds like a pretty amazing product and I'm enjoying hearing you talk about it with your recaps, etc. Anyway, take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. Thanks, Spike Pit. That's awesome, man. Yeah, well, you know, even with all those notes, I still managed to flub it. Now, granted, a lot of that was what the party did in order to foil Xanthar Vang's plans. But yeah, I, I did. <laughs> part of my problem is, right, it's very difficult for me to reference those sort of notes on the fly during a session just because of my disability and all that. But you know, it's still very, very nice to have them there just to keep in the back of my mind and to get an idea, game plan of what a crazy, super intelligent wizard would do against the whole party, right? When it's 1v6 or 5, it, you know, he's got to have some sweet moves. But yeah, you were mentioning a bunch of other games that have these kind of special moves in them for like big boss monsters and stuff. And another game that did this in a sort of different way, and excuse my blasphemy here, but 4th edition did it in a pretty cool way. A lot of the monsters, when they got 
to less than half their hit points would have different actions that they did. They'd go into sort of like a rage and they'd have different actions and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. I didn't play a whole lot of fourth edition. I didn't run any fourth edition at all, but I always thought that was a pretty cool idea to have those sort of moves built into the monster when monster X gets to amount of hit points. Y, they do things Z now go and I don't know. I just think that's pretty neat. Yeah, man. I also really appreciate you saying you're enjoying my recaps. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if people like hearing about it. I th- I think it's cool. I like hearing about people's adventures, which is why I talk about mine. I, you know, most people that are listening to this show aren't going to be playing through the Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Path. So I don't I'm not caring about spoilers or anything like that. Um but yeah, I, I'm glad you like hearing about it, because thanks to this next call from Jason, we're going to get into the latest recap of Wrath of the Righteous. So Jason, take it away, dude. What happens when a party gets a whole dungeon's worth of treasure all at once? Well, Joe will probably tell you about that. He probably already has told you about that, and I've missed the episode. But if he hasn't, that's what happened in his Wrath of the Righteous campaign. And he just dumped, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of gold pieces worth of actual treasure and magic items and stuff on the party. And he's like, figure out what you're doing with this. You're not allowed to do it during game time because I'm going to take away your player agency to role play that out. And so... People are having to use their precious time away from the game. What about the people that only show up and want to play the game during the hours of the game? How is that fair to them? I don't know. Are any of Joe's players that kind of player? I don't know. So maybe it doesn't matter because there is an active discussion on the Discord deciding what to do with the treasure. So this might be all ado about nothing. That's the wrong way to say that, isn't it? But it it is curious. Is that player that's fully engaged and 100% involved during the session, if they're not interested in being involved outside the sessions, does that make them a bad player? I wonder. Anyway, just thoughts I had. That's pretty much exactly the type of thing I was talking about earlier. Where I said Frodo is an ass for treating Sam the way he does in the first couple chapters. Because as it's made abundantly clear in those chapters, Sam and Frodo are not friends. And that Sam or Frodo is Sam's boss. And that Frodo thinks that Sam is beneath him. That's made very clear and more abundantly clear in the third chapter. But anyway, but since Jason and I are friends, we can do that. He can send me those kind of messages. Um, He can, you know, constantly give me shit for the way I run games when he's in my campaigns. It's cool because we are friends. Um, So, yeah, man, let's let's talk about player agency. So Jason is correct. The party did basically just get roughly like 200,000 gold pieces worth of magic items and treasure uh, because they finally are officially done with book three. In the last session, 
the party cleared out the rest of the threats from the Ivory Sanctum, completely clearing the Ivory Sanctum, and thus finishing book three. Now, book four hasn't started yet, but book three is technically officially over, and that's amazing. We haven't yet hit our two-year anniversary, and we're already halfway through the adventure path. That's fantastic, dude. Um, yeah, it was a good session. You know, the main takeaway is the party decided very smartly to, instead of stopping every room where they got treasure to figure out who gets what treasure when there's still a dungeon full of enemies, instead, they waited for the dungeon to be fully cleared of enemies before they went through the treasure. So that's why the party got a whole dungeon's worth of treasure at one time, because smartly, the players decided to do that of their own free will. Good plan. <laughs> that would have been pretty silly and foolish to stop partway through the dungeon and try and figure stuff out then. Yeah, and so you also, Jason, talked about precious time, right? Me demanding precious time. Well, we have a lot more time in between sessions than we actually have during the session. We only meet every other week and we play for three, well, we meet for three to three and a half hours. We usually play for two and a half hours, sometimes two hours, people being late, people talking, getting, because we're friends, right? We like to catch up with one another. That's part of it. Um, so, you know, to me and several of the other players, it makes a whole lot more sense to divide up that much treasure in the two weeks we have, the 14 days we have between sessions than it would to try and do that in the three hours we have during a session. Because with that much treasure, it would probably take two hours. And personally, I don't think a two-hour out-of-character discussion on who gets what treasure and what we're going to sell and what goes where and what's in the bag of holding and all that stuff, I personally don't think that's an effective use of game time. Uh, it is a much more effective use of offline time and it does not because i broke everything down into lists i listed all the monetary values i put in a ton of extra work so you guys wouldn't have to so you can just go look at the list spend 10 minutes going through the list hey i'd like this that and that and then that's how the conversation goes it does not demand a whole lot of time um but yeah as opposed like Again, spending all that time during a session, to me, that's a waste of a session. Now, if that's how you like your sessions to go, let me know, Jason, and we could have more of those where we'll spend a whole session out of character talking about who gets what stuff. That's totally cool. We can do that, man. We've done that before in, <laughs> in this adventure path, and it wasn't the most exciting or fun session. <laughs> and I heard about it from you, <laughs> actually on how that wasn't ideal. But now that we're doing it a different way, that's also not ideal. Hmm. Hmm, man. Interesting, right? Oh, dude. But yeah, you know, you talked about what it is to be a good player, right? And Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep, he just put out a video 
fairly recently at time of recording this with some tips on how to be a good player. And I don't remember any tips on the list about giving your dungeon master a bunch of shit. <laughs> that wasn't on the list, man. But as far as a player being fully invested in a game and not wanting to contribute to online discussions, I don't know. I don't know people like that. Pretty much everyone I know who's fully invested in the game wants to contribute in between sessions because they like thinking about the game. So it'd be interesting to meet somebody who is fully, fully invested in a game, but between sessions does not want to hear about it, think about it, interact with the game at all. Just doesn't care about it, doesn't want to think about it, only will think about it on game day for those few hours. I don't know people like that. So if you do, let me know. If you're one of those folks, let me know. It's an interesting topic of discussion because that's just, that's alien to me. When I'm playing a game, I'm fully invested in a game. I think about it between the sessions and the fact that we now have the ability to talk to each other. I, yeah, that's a boon. And if you think about that as a negative, then that's absolutely something we should discuss. Um, because yeah, nobody's making you participate if randor doesn't want to participate and doesn't want to get any treasure he does not have to that's your player agency and the consequences that come from choices because it's all about choices and consequences right choices and outcomes that would be the outcome so yeah man you have you have agency all the agency you want uh <laughs> but yeah dude it the whole topic on what it takes to be a good player is an interesting one. And I agree with what you said in one of your later latest episodes, Jason, where you talked about how it maybe it was in a call in or something, but where you're talking about how there's so much content out there on how to be a good game master, but there's not nearly enough content out there on what it takes to be a good player. So these types of discussions I think are really good. Um, cause yeah, being invested in a game, I think is a sign of a good player. And again, I don't think most people that are invested in a game are only invested during the short time where they're actually playing the game, but that's just me again, could be totally wrong. But anyway, dude, let me get out of here. I've rambled enough. That was a short wrath of the re uh, righteous recap because in the grand scheme of things, not much happened. It was a fun session. I liked the way it went. The party split up, did some different things. Could have gotten a fight that they chose not to get in that fight, which probably worked out best for them. That could have been a nasty fight, but they used diplomacy and figured out a way to succeed at the encounter without actually getting in a fight. And yeah, that was that was pretty much the session, man. It was it was a good session and a nice way to just wrap up the third book now we're in the limbo like i said between book three and book four party needs to get back to dresden um and yeah next session is going to be awesome i can't wait so let me get out of here all right that was a fun one. Thank you so much for those calls from Spike Pit and from Jason. I appreciate it, dudes. It's always great to hear from you guys. 
I'm still a little bummed out about the uh, Dragons of Winter Night audio situation. I thought I was set, man. I thought I was going to be able to just plow through all three of those books, but now... Oh well, at least at least there's a good recording of Dragons of Autumn Twilight. That's that's the bonus, right? Think about the good stuff that's going on in the world. Um, because, yeah, the world isn't always... At least it doesn't always seem to be full of good stuff. You know, RIP at time of recording, it is... Um, November 19th, 2023, and Rosalind Carter just passed away today, former first lady of the United States. She died at 96 years old, lived an awesome life, was a great lady to a great president and a great man. Her husband, Jimmy Carter, 99 years old, still kicking it, but I'm guessing with the passing of his wife, I doubt he's going to be around for too much longer. That That's a thing that often happens with these older couples that happened with my grandparents too when one of them passes away a lot of the times the other one will go shortly after not every time i'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule or anything like that but it does it does happen especially when you're friggin 99 years old right <laughs> but jimmy carter was an awesome president he was my first president I don't have any memories of him being president, but he was the president when I was born, so he'll always have a soft spot in my heart for that. Yeah, but that's it, you know? Haven't done a whole lot of gaming. Um, getting ready to. It should be fun. Got Wrath of the Righteous in another week. That'll be awesome to get that game going again, you know? Playing for a couple hours every two weeks is, man, certainly in an ideal world, I would, I would want it to be longer than that and more often. In an ideal world, I'd want it five or six hours every week. That would be awesome. God, you could get so much shit done. It'd be fantastic. Anyway, you all are fantastic out there for listening. It's, it's pretty wild that there are still people out there listening to this show man thank you all so much for bearing with me and putting up with my weirdness i really appreciate it you guys are awesome i hope everybody is taking care of yourselves taking care of somebody else and until next time peace out